0: Another episode, first over with Edison Hatter, without Edison Hatter. This is Nahu Mikey P, Mike Probose, Uh coming to you with another week here uh, for the first over show, and we have a special guest with us, uh, actually two, of course, I introduce him all the time, one of my favorite horse players, associate editor for Trot Magazine, Mr. John Rallis. Welcome, John.
1: Thanks, Mike. Pleasure to be here again.
0: And uh, our special guest here is uh, trainer Matt Bax, who is this year taking over uh, the Bax Stable as the trainer of record. And uh, we all know, uh, you know, his dad, John Bax, has, is loaded every year uh, with big horses racing on this Ontario program. And uh, now Matt takes over full time. You'll see him in the program every week with all these horses and very excited to, to talk to him. Uh, Matt, welcome.
2: Right, thanks for having me, guys.
0: All right, so we'll get into it here. First off, uh, we're going to do this little interview with Matt, and then uh, John and I will, uh, you know, in the second half of the pod, talk about Saturday night's racing. So this will be racing for Saturday, February 11th at Mohawk Park, and it's woodbine.com black slash Mohawk uh, for free programs. We'll get to that, but let's, let's talk to Matt first. And And Matt, uh, we know you're taking over. I'm sure you've been an integral part of, of this operation for several, several years and, and your dad's going to step back now. Uh, how does it feel to be, you know, kind of the main guy and, and, and jumping in to be the, uh, the the top man for all these awesome horses that you got?
2: Uh, yeah, we have a a great group of, uh, three-year-olds coming in this year, uh, you know, you look at it, it's probably a little more of it's, it's just a name. Um, you know, my dad and I have been in partnership for the last, uh, eight years as, as back stables together. And I would say over those years, we've kind of worked in a partnership just, just together. So, um, for, for us, it's just a formality, the, the name switch, uh, not a lot will change. And, um, you know, I, I probably train and, and go with most of the horses, but, uh, you know, my younger keenness where I, I'm out on the track all the time and, and feeling them, but uh, on the flip side, he has the experience and he's sat behind probably uh, a lot more horses than I have.
0: Well, that's a great partnership and, and obviously it's a family affair and you, know, you grew up around it what what drew you to there there are some guys and we talked to to Nick Gallucci and he kind of uh you know had his his version of how he got into the business but you were obviously born into the business and was that something you were interested in from the word go did it take a while did you you know were, how did how did you come to to kind of to get into this point well
2: um when I was younger uh yeah, you know every, every day you're at every Saturday you're at the barn when you're not know, at school or uh, doing sports and and I played hockey, football, soccer, lacrosse, like everything competitive. I was going almost every night. So um, I, I am quite competitive. And, you know, as, as the years went on, um, I went to school to be an accountant. But uh, every, every summer you'd come back and you'd be doing the horses. And you're like, geez, you know, like to be able to compete all the time and, and in a sport like this, if you can make a, a living at this, this is probably a lot better than sitting behind – behind a desk for me, you know, I, I'd like to get up and get going and, uh, compete every night. So, uh, as the weird years went on, it's, uh, it just slowly progressed into, you know, help my dad and, uh, here we are.
0: I think that competent, like just having that drive and having that, that, um, there's some people that are ultra competitive and, and, I don't think people understand that, you know, when you we're, we're exposed to, you know, professional athletes and college athletes, and that's all very mainstream. And, but horse racing is ultra competitive. And, and, even for gamblers such as John and I, and, and John can jump in here a little bit too, but that it's, it's that being able to have that competition constantly. And, and for you, to have that, do you, you feel like that—that's the driving force more than anything? Other, uh, other than the fact that that you guys are very successful and you you have that ability to put food on your table to do this, but still to be able to, to have that competition all the time is something that I I feel like is you can't find that many other places, especially in that corporate world.
2: No, that, that's for sure. And you know, like played beer lake hockey the other night with a couple uh, other horse guys and we ended up losing and uh, you find yourself half mad that you lost or you're mad <laughs> at beer league hockey losing. So yeah, very, very competitive on anything, you know, horse people do. Uh, and yeah, I, I love it.
1: If you want to talk a little bit about now on the horse side, I mean, you obviously had a, had a great year. Uh, like you said, you have a lot of two year olds now turning three that you're, you're excited about kind of talk us about, I noticed that most of your horses, they came in ready to race, uh, especially some of, a lot of them coming off uh, one qualifier. Is that something that you and uh, your dad take pride in, is, is bringing them in in their first start and having them ready to race? Or do you, do you like to kind of educate them a little bit prior to? Like, what's your thought process? Because they, they all came ready. A handful of them, first they had one qualifier, they came in first start, and they really put themselves on notice. Uh, is that something that you guys really like to do, is kind of just see what you got first start out?
2: Uh you know, it's every horse is different. You know, some of them are a little nervous and you know that um, they need a helmet. And some of them you say, well, this horse is going to get hot. You're going to need to come off of a trip. So it's a long year. So every time you come out there with a two-year-old, you're trying to manage, manage your starts and manage yourself through the year and not, uh, you know, put any roadblocks up if you send the horse first start and next thing you know it has to go in the next two starts and then it's not finishing so you you yeah every every horse is different and you, you try to get the most out of every horse and manage them the best you can but uh in terms of taking them to the track and you know a lot of guys like going fast miles um we we put more of a base in them uh you know you might train a horse down and just you know two and a half, three months. And usually we do three and a half, four, where you you get a couple extra miles. So um, I don't know, you probably see, I I had a horse in last week and the qualifier shows a a good time, but usually uh, first start, they'll drop a little time off a qualifier. And usually our our theory Mm -hmm. is, well, you're, you're not going for any money in a qualifier. So um, all, all, it is, is you want to finish strong and be strong at the wire. So there, there should be something left in the tank. You're, you're never emptying the tank in a qualifier.
1: No. And I think that that goes to show, especially about when you righteous resolves qualify. I mean, I think finished fourth and was, uh, by how many lengths, but you could just see when you tipped out and, and gave a racetrack. And you saw her trot just before the wire. I mean, she was absolutely full of herself. She was loaded, and after the wire, she was trotting well. And then, obviously, first start out, she responded, and that's when she put everybody on notice. So it's really, it's really neat that you mentioned that because I remember growing up, um, there was I, I always had this misconception. I didn't really understand the notion of qualifiers. I had a tough time evaluating them until I started speaking to certain people and watching them myself. And um, you really, it really is true. It just matters about how you finish yourself, and you saw that with a lot of your your youngsters last year and. Speaking again on uh, Righteous Resolve, obviously she was the talk of the town. She was the best Philly bar none. She won an O'Brien Award this year. I mean, that was never in doubt. But uh, just talk a little bit about her year. And the question everybody wants to know, and I know you touched on it a little bit, but maybe if we can get your further thought process on this is everyone wanted to see her in the Mohawk Million. Kind of talk us a little bit on the decision making behind that of her not uh, going into that race. And maybe, uh, yeah, your thought process behind it, how you thought she would have fared in that race as well.
2: Uh, I, I think she would have been, uh, competitive in that race. Uh, however, the, the, we talked, discussed it with the owners and, you know, it's not just, you own a hundred thousand dollar spot and you're going, there's, it usually work out a, a percentage deal with a slot holder. And, um, there's quite a few, um, uh, opportunities and, uh, people willing to buy her outright. And, uh, so you just bring it all to the, uh, the owner, uh, Roy Maxwell, and um his partners um and they they love the horse, and they say, you know the money's not the real thing, and you know or it's it's not the be all end all, and we want to have a little fun so uh they just they said, you know for long term and the horse uh you know you're only really maybe going for fifty percent of the purse we'd rather have her right for the breeder's crown, and he said, yeah you know, we had duly resolved the year before, and um, it did sting him, you know, he came second, just, just got beat by a nose and, uh, it cost him in the super final. He, he was just a little short there. Like it's a, a long year for all these young horses. And with, with each start, you, you kind of take a little bit, a little bit out of them. The, the stretch gets a little bit longer and, uh, they, they thought the best thing going forward to be good for the breeder's crown was to, uh, not go in that race.
1: Yeah, and it's it's pretty fascinating to hear the thought process because you hear other trainers too um, you know, talk about what certain races do for certain horses. I mean, it just is it's the reality. Sometimes it takes a lot out of them. I've seen a lot of horses go race in the Battle of Waterloo, Battle of the Bells, and just come out flat later. It is a tough I mean, that's a lot of racing on the Grand River circuit. And I, I haven't seen horses respond as well as you would have liked. And I think it's interesting that you bring that up in the mock Million looking out for the the betterment of the horse too right I mean Breeders Crown being here on home soil obviously makes it easier to to race your filly in that event and yeah I think I mean it would have been exciting to see no doubt uh, I, I honestly thought she would have had a great shot but again it's really it's nice that you guys are considering the overall well-being and the the overall landscape of the horse and again speaking on hers last last year in the uh, twos training I think report in the Trot magazine you talked about Righteous Resolve and how how high you were on her, actually. Um, is there anyone that you're high on coming into this year? Any two-year-olds that you've uh, really liked in the early parts of uh, training?
2: Uh, now, of course, of course you can jinx that, but I guess the last two years I've done, I did Dually Resolve was my pick the year before and then Righteous Resolve, and I, I actually picked a few last year, but most of them made over 100,000, so maybe we're not jinxing them.
1: Um, no, no, I think that it's a pretty good, uh, I think it's been pretty good luck so far.
2: <laughs> so... Uh, we got a Muscle Hill Philly. Um, it's uh, out of Stubborn Bell, uh, homebred of Al Libfels. That mm-hmm. uh, she she right now, uh, and this is why I tell Al she checks all the boxes. Uh, she she's got the attitude, she's got the gait, and she has the pedigree. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, she'll really step up. And she's uh, Kentucky sire stake eligible, so uh, uh, that'll be nice a nice spot to take her.
0: Beautiful. And so I'm going to um, jump in a little bit. Um, I just want to. I'm sorry, John, to cut you off, but um, so what? What do you feel like? I, I, I realize that when you're training and you, you got all these horses going, but I wanted to, to come back to, you know, when you had to deal with the owners and things and the situations with, with just, just even with the Mohawk Million, you almost have to manage owners too and manage people and manage expectations. Talk a little bit about that as that role. Uh, as being a trainer and and what you have to deal with in that area
2: well you know everybody's a little different and everyone has their you know owners have their races they want to be in some people want to be on the big stage so if they own righteous resolve they would have said you know mohawk millions a big night and lots of attention we you know you own horses to race them so they say like you know let's race and you know as as the owners that's their prerogative um on most of the horses. I, I would say where we own a piece of them, they know we're looking out for the best, best interest of the horse. And, you know, we're looking to make as much money as we can as well. So uh, when we're in partnership with a couple different people, um, a, a lot of them, they, they just let us roll with what, whatever decision, whatever you think is best. Um, on the flip side, there's some where, uh, they, they own all the horse. And so you just lay out the facts and your opinion and, uh, they can make that now. Fortunately uh, for me and my father, is he's he's surrounded with himself with a lot of great people over the years, like uh, Jim Bullock, al uh, Feld, and he has uh, lots of small partners like uh, Joe Parkinson. He's been with him 30 years, um, and they they trust him, and and that's what it comes down to. Is if they trust your opinion, you're, and they're paying they're paying you to take care of the horse and train it. And if they fully trust you to make those decisions and your opinion of the horse, uh, things are going to go smoothly.
1: And just kind of going on the two-year-old side of who you are looking forward to. I mean, you had a lot of success with your babies last year with all your two-year-olds. Is there, is there anyone that, I mean, aside from I'm sure Righteous Resolve is training up well, and she's just fine. Is there anyone that you're excited to see outside of her um, heading into this season as a sophomore? Uh,
2: yeah, there, there's a couple of them. Uh, a couple are training down really well. Like a uh, Deadline Hall was, uh, I think he was he was mm. second or third in the Super Final. Snow Piercer. Um, I expected yep. a little more from him. He was a big, strong colt, and uh, I'm really hoping he takes that next step. But there's also uh, the, the horse that we had in the Mohawk Million, oh look magic. And, you know, he, he was 54 in the Champlain and um, he, he just had some, maybe he got a little sore and mentally he, he was getting a little offside. So, uh, and that led to me, me driving him later in the year. So he's a little difficult to handle and and maybe it was a little hard on himself. But uh, if the general rule that we see is that if whatever you can go as a two year old, you maybe knock another two seconds off for the three-year-old year. So, um, and if he could go and trot in 50, 52 and four, then I think in the OSS program, he'll have a pretty good year as well.
1: Yeah. And your thoughts on the, the graduate series coming with the trotters, I assume duly resolved will be is paid or will be paid into that, uh, for the four-year-old trotters. Yes.
2: yes. He, he's paid into that, uh, among a few other stakes, but, uh, yeah, that really attributed to us, uh, you know, taking the next step and keeping him this year. A lot of times we move on after the three-year-old year, uh, but you know, if you can make a little money in that, and he just pays his way for one year, the ownership group uh, has a lot of fun watching him race. So, um, yeah, we we look forward to it, and taking a little bit of a, a different training approach to him this year. Uh, it seemed like last year. And he made two hundred thousand, so you know, there is no, you are not yeah. going to discount. That's, that's still pretty good money, but he was never a hundred percent, and uh, that that might have been because we went down to the Breeders' Crown of the Meadowlands the end of his two year old year, and he was already tired from the Mohawk Million and the Super Final, and uh, mm-hmm. it's just like he never got his body uh, filled out, going from a boy to a man. He's just never filled out the rest of the way and uh, we battled that all year and it seems like now in the last three months he's grown about a full inch taller and he's getting stronger and um you know i think i've been jogging and training him for about three or four months sat the owners down and said like well, we're gonna we're gonna work on getting him stronger and uh, so then he can take on these other horses it's going to be a, a longer year but uh, if you guys are on board and uh, of course they are uh, I think we can have some fun. So um, he's training back really well. I've had him over to Mohawk uh, a couple times. Uh, maybe we'll get one start in before the graduate series up here. But uh, yeah, you know what? He's he's already made uh, he's already made a substantial amount of money. I think it's close to eight eight hundred thousand. So uh, when you buy them for thirty thousand, I guess after after that that everything's gravy.
0: And he was an early two-year-old also like he was winning everything i mean i i know for us uh we watch all the races obviously and and he was just a monster from the start and and just missed in that mohawk million and and uh but last year it seemed like his best race was that race at london uh just uh didn't he break the track record over there at london
2: well he, he's such a yeah he did uh he's such a handy horse and i knew that You know the half mile whatever half mile race he has he's gonna he's gonna crush it but uh that that attributed his success early on in the year is how you know well-mannered he is smart you you could go first quarter in 26 and the next quarter you could go in 32 seconds if you wanted to he's just he's so smart and easy easy on himself and to drive um so that i think attributed the most to his early success
1: now are you training all the horses uh here in Ontario or is your dad training some horses in the States?
2: So I've got uh, 28 up here and he has seven down in Florida. I was down there. Was I was close. down there last week to, to visit for a week, a work, workcation, take the family down to Florida. So uh, that, that was good, but that that's what we've done. I, yeah, it has to be at least eight years. He's been going down there. He takes, he takes uh, usually six or seven and uh, the majority stay them up here. That's awesome.
0: So uh, one thing I want to talk to you about too, um, and I, we're, we're kind of winding down here, but uh, you, you're, you talked about how competitive you are, uh, and it seems like you're in the bike for a lot of, especially these younger horses early. Uh, what determines... You know, does does whenever they kind of roll into that stakes program that that you you know that you stay on is it the the specific horse or that you might take a you know a a Macdonell to drive you know your the duly resolved and things like that? Uh, How does that? What's your thought process there?
2: um, Well, last year we kind of took a different different approach. Um, For for myself, I like to qualify them. Uh, if I stay on them in the qualifier, I know exactly where they are. You know, you're a little on the right line to watch this. And, you know, uh, this horse isn't quite finishing. or um, You just get a little better feel for each horse. And I, I feel like I can make uh, small adjustments that go a long way later on. Now, in terms of drivers, um, last year we started picking uh, drivers based on what, what the horse's uh, attributes are. Now, like a, a guy like uh, Chris Christoffer, he is he's great on managing a horse um, through the year, you know, finishing strong and uh, taking them through the whole year. Maybe not not so much a, a front ender. I'm sure those guys probably don't like like hearing that. They say they can put it on the front as well. But he, I feel like he has a special skill set for uh, bringing those horses along. So we put him on a, a deadline haul, and he. He followed along in the OSS program all year and he's picking up nice checks. And uh, then he has a big, gets big money. When the big money's on the line, he works out a good trip, finishes strong. And uh, I think he's, yeah. He, uh, or third in the super final so
1: he was he was third in this he was third in the super final yeah big odds too yeah
2: and uh you know McDonnell gets along well with you know a dually and righteous resolve and and so on mm-hmm. you know each driver you have a little lazier one um it's your choice it was a nice filly um doug fit well on her and it, james fits well on her as well he had her later in the year, but. Uh, yeah, James can work out a trip. And then, you know, Paul. Paul's really good at uh, managing the horse, putting it on the front early, maybe if, it, if it's going to be cheap fractions. Or uh, he just has a cool about him in the, the stake races. Um, so, yeah, it's you
1: know, really I'm interesting sure you see that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's because you've had success with a myriad of drivers throughout. I mean, you you and your dad's racing career too, even with uh, dating back to Up and Ready and Doug. I mean, that filly's really she, – she got – along really well with Doug. And now it's really interesting to hear you talk about pairing up horses with the driver's uh, strength. That's really not many people. uh, You don't really hear too much about that. So I think that's really interesting. And I think it goes a long way with the
0: success as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, this has been awesome. Uh, we do appreciate your time and uh, we appreciate the look kind of into this year, uh, especially with some of the big horses. Uh, and, uh, you know, a little bit about you too. And, and, and you're going to continue that legacy and, and continue what obviously, you know, you've been involved the whole time. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's something about, I think, having your name in the program. I know for me, you know, just as a limited owner and things like that, that was, that was, that was a big deal to me. That was just, uh, you know, t- to have that notoriety, to have, you know, your name there. And, and just that, that, that means a lot, I, th- I feel like. And, and uh you know, it seems like, you know, you're going to continue and, uh, you know, keep racking up winners, keep racking up, uh, the, the legacy.
2: Let's hope so. I appreciate
0: it. well maybe we'll get you back on again, especially towards the summer. And, uh, you know, hopefully we we can keep, you can keep rolling those two-year-olds out early because, uh, you know, we'll all be making money on them.
2: (laughs) I I hope so. uh, I appreciate it. And I, you know, any, any time. All right.
0: Our thanks to Matt Bax. And uh, that was a very interesting interview uh, from him and and just talking about some of the horses that he does have, some of his thoughts on what uh, he has coming up and and just a a lot of different things uh, going into his mindset. So we really enjoyed that. We'd like to get him back on, uh, I would think, sometime this summer, to especially when we're deep in that Ontario Sire Stakes program, they are always very prominent in that program. So thanks to him. Uh, let's move on, though, to the handicapping here. And we're looking at Saturday night, $100,000 guaranteed pick five. Uh, starts in race number one. And, and this sequence I found to be pretty difficult. I do feel like it is going to pay something. Uh there, There's some interesting options. And the first race... Numbers. Of, this is winners of four, not more than six or eighty thousand dollars lifetime. So upper level Pacers. They're going for twenty three thousand. John, we got a pretty big favorite in here, but uh, this is a different group for this horse.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a tough bunch. I mean, actually, you know what? I was at first glance, I was looking at it. Backstreet Gambler's been he's been pretty good. Uh, I mean, there's no denying that. I mean, he came first up and he won under a, a stronghold. Uh, he cleared and won under a stronghold for Louis Wa last time, but this is. You know what? This is a tough bunch. Uh, from I thought initially I'd single him, but I'm not sure because this is actually, like I said, it is a tougher bunch. So I'm probably probably going to go a few deep here. I mean, Stone Carver. This, I mean, he, he's back in a in a field where he should he should really enjoy the company. To him, and he's racing in that kind of mid level or upper level um, condition in the non winners of 12 to 14,000. I've got Twimby Powerball, who's underwhelmed last time out, but he is facing a group now that he could. Probably get the best of. It's uh, Just really interesting to see how the the race is going to map out. I mean, the boss said loses Bob McClure. He, he's been really good uh, his last few. So, uh, not, I mean, actually, Gambler should he draws well is going to be in a great position uh, to win again. But uh, I do think that I probably would look in the direction of Stone Carver as well, just because that was a pretty good effort from him last time out, and he could he could be sharp coming off that effort. I'd probably go five six to start the first leg.
0: It's an interesting race here because. You know, Backstreet Gambler's have been beating up on the same horses every week in that you know similar type races, and this is a different group now. You're getting the the two Josie Hanover, who, if you look back to December tenth, uh, this horse took a little bit of money early that night, but beat Legion Sealster, beat Rock Me Roll Me, uh, has been facing the Cadillac Biomas, the Sometime Somewheres of the world, the Commanding Officers. Those are grizzled, older, faster pacers, and. And this horse is coming fast every week, you know, 27 and three kicks. Uh, that night that, uh, you know, he won, kicked 26 and three. So capable of big efforts, and I think has to be used against a, a horse that is going to step in here and, and really, I think, needs, despite being fast and backstreet gambler, has to prove himself versus a different set of horses. Another horse I'll use is the 7 Twin B Powerball. All you have to do is look back to January the 7th. Look at that line. That was against American history. They went 51-2 that night. This horse showed speed, chased American history there, but couldn't catch, held on to be second. That race, that sort of line, I feel like is very competitive versus these horses. So Backstreet Gamber, obvious on paper, but again, a couple other older horses that on their day, I think have a chance. So 2-5-7 for me in race number one. Second race, Phillies and Mares, and this is the bottom here. Numbers of eighteen hundred fifty dollars. Last three starts. They're going for ten thousand. Uh I was a couple deep in here, John. What'd you think?
1: Uh, just give me one moment.
0: John's a very important man taking calls.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so important. Uh you know what? Yeah, this is a, a very this is a very, very interesting Interesting group. I mean, it's literally the bottom of the condition. You can really, nobody really shows form in this group. Um, I mean, I probably use Silent Crossing in the race just because I feel like Dougie's going to put the horse into play. And maybe, I mean, Society Jill, also a horse that shows speed. I mean, virtually in this group, I'm just going to go with horses who, who typically show speed. And Silent Crossing should be a horse that's going to be pointed forward by Doug drawing well. And, um, I mean, same with Society Jill. I mean, horse can work out a good trip for Jody here too, so I'll probably go 5-7 here.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of horses that are coming over from Flamborough. Uh, Silent Crossing, second Lasix, and you mentioned this horse was at the bottom there at Flamborough and, and was on the front from an inside spot and raced well enough. Just got beat by Nightlife Sealster, who is not unfamiliar to this circuit and has definitely has faced better horses around here. So that one's a definite use. Uh, itty-bitty, I think, has to be used for me. This is a horse that's capable of fast miles. If you look back to uh, you know last year, went 53 and four at the Meadowlands. Did end up coming and winning a couple races up here for OCLL. Third back, inside draw. Should get a better trip. Uh, that race kind of fell apart last week, uh, that February 3rd line. So I'm going to give that horse one more chance. And then the four cowgirl, Lily. Uh, Jones is back. This horse had the nine hole last time. Just kind of sad and was one of those beneficiaries of how the flow of the race went. But that was the best race in a while. And, and I like horses that are kind of like that. Like, you know, just is l- looking for an effort to kind of propel off of and, and kind of drop down that class ladder, had wide post, best draw in a while, coming off uh, her best race in a while. Give me three, four, five in race number two. Race three, five-year-olds and younger. No one is a one. Uh, so here we are with maidens. And another race that is very difficult on form—you don't really see a whole lot here, John. Where do you like here in race number three?
1: You know what? I, this is a race that I found it really interesting. I, again, it's a field; it's a non-winners of one race. But I am going to go with everyone's hero. and I'm actually going to single this horse too. It was Louis' pick over Feisty Like Fire, who was getting a big trainer change. This horse took a shuffle though last time, got away mid-pack, took a shuffle, and then paced home really, really well. So first started in a little while. I think that was his, that was uh, his first start since. Uh, I think since Ju- July and you know what I really like the way he's pacing in the lane and uh he's going to be he's going to be a single for me in here and I think it's a pretty big vote of confidence for Louis who who typically drives for Leicester um, on a lot of on many occasions and is booking off to take everyone's hero and I just really like the way he was pacing the lane um after he got clear racetrack and yeah he's going to be a definite single for me here.
0: Interesting. I I do agree that that horse has some merit. I I kind of didn't use just for ticket cost purposes, but Uh, Tough to gauge that one. I I do understand you picking that one. I was two other horses in here, and then you kind of have to look beyond a few of the the finishes. But the four serious mojo, this horse is the morning line favorite, but it's facing the Camara moments, the Emmett's buddies of the world. Uh, Those horses would be one to 50 in this race. Uh, Gets a much better post. It's going to be lower on the board, but has shown a, a kind of sneaky at times that you would think that this horse might have a chance to win. Uh, just kind of has to put it all together. May have found a bunch to be able to do that, and then the horse, other horse you mentioned, the six feisty like fire, big trainer change, uh, not getting typical barn pilot, but uh, I, I am interested in this horse. If if you look back to that qualifier on January nineteenth. Showed some ability in that race. Uh, did win its latest qualifier on February 4th after showing speed on February 1st. Something obviously amiss there. The horse did take money in that race. Uh, more connections play than anything else. 4-6 in the third. The fourth race is numbers of 2,500 on the trot last three. Another sort of bottom-level type race. John, where are you at here?
1: Yeah, it is a it is a tough race. I mean, Macho Martini took a lot of support and just clearly... Clearly, clearly didn't go last time. I, uh, I mean, he's good enough to beat this bunch if he's right. So I'm just gonna use him, uh, use him on the ticket just based off that. I'm also gonna go with Lions' wish uh, now as well. I mean, it's coming off the qualifier. Drew the nine hole last week, just took back, and uh, I mean, tried it pretty well late. I'm just gonna go with him. Gets gets better. Uh, gets a better draw on the gate tonight, and he should be put in play with a better draw. So I'm gonna go three six in this race.
0: I found this race. Uh, difficult also the I liked nevermind last time, and I felt like that he was never really put into the race where he could win he his best chance is up close, and he really didn't get away from the gate as well as he might and uh you know kind of ended up in half in half out most of the race, and just really took the worst of it. still ended up finishing fourth and getting a check. Now the horse goes to putty occasionally he's able to you know, get these claimers and, and kind of take them to another level, despite this horse was with Cielo. I, I'm not concerned about that because a lot of these horses don't have form. So at least it, I feel like that he's in the mix. He has speed. I think he's a definite use for me. Uh, the one, Oneryutak Oner, Perfetto. This horse has won 650000 No stranger to this place has been racing in Preferreds at London and getting checks Uh, If you look back, January 3rd, did win at that level. Now you're back here at the bottom. Uh, Despite having the rail, this horse is very capable, won 62,000 last year, just likes to win, and I I feel like needs to be used. And then a long shot I'll try is the two uh, Creatine Star. Now this is Bud, but somehow McNair shows up here. So has been racing at this bottom level and, and, and definitely is in need of a wake up, but It's interesting that this horse keeps drawing top drivers, but has been known to wake them up here and there. And in a race that you're looking at the bottom horses that that have a lot of question marks, I think you're going to get a a huge price on this horse. So I was one, two, seven, race number four. The fifth race, uh, let's finish this pick five. Numbers of 37.50, last five on the pace. I singled a horse here. John, who do you like? Uh, You know what? I...
1: I'm going to go – I went three deep here. I'm going (laughs) Woodmere Fenn. I thought thought that effort was pretty good last time. He came first up. Not really the style you've seen from Woodmere Fenn lately. just been really closing well for for shares. Um, Just missed on a few occasions, and that was a big effort. Bob went first up, cleared, and then just hung on. I'm going to use Woodmere Fenn for that. I'm going to use Point to my grandson. Just The source typically just gets along with James, and you know he's going to be pointed forward, and he's going to work out a good trip. Uh, I actually thought he raced better than – I thought he raced pretty well last time. I mean, that was a pretty – Pretty quick half, and uh, this horse typically doesn't like to go too, too fast. I mean, James is really good at rating, and he felt good. It was a weak bunch, but I th- still thought that was a solid effort. And I'm going to go with the, the Meadow shipper. Obviously, there's an unknown there off a month. Uh, again, just the element of unknown there. There's a, there's a bit of a stale date, but uh, just interested to see what he can do because this is a group that he might be able to get the best of in here. A uh, flashy dude, the the new shipper with uh, Bill Budd again and draws McNair
0: yeah and bud horses he he can uh he can have one ready. these Metas horses though have been duds recently here, and I just I'm not sure what to do with that one. uh I'm gonna single the four here rock and twist only off you know his last two and now you know he gets protected in here uh that race January thirtieth uh, was an unlikely winner at fifteen to one. that was the night that mock art and motion had that eventful trip but backed it up last week with a 26 and three kick against legal better who really never looked like a loser. This horse launched from way back and was bet on the board was ended up less than three to one versus those horses. That was a fast mile. Sometimes these claimers don't always necessarily, you know, move into these kind of races and and do well, but I do find it interesting that they show up in this spot uh, for you know, a a lot lesser purse. I mean, they they were racing for 20,000 every week now protected. It's a drop. Um, You're going to have to eat chalk here. I think. And some of these other ones are very quirky, have a lot of question marks, need things to go their way. I'm going to stick with a horse that I, I feel like if he produces that same effort as the last two, probably wins this race. So give me rock and twist to finish in race. Number five, let's cap our tickets here. Uh, I my just ticket. want to say,
1: Mike, sorry, I just want to say, I actually missed that horse. I will throw him in on the ticket, though, and uh, that was a good I, – I completely missed that one. So, yeah, that's that's someone I will throw it on my ticket as well. I won't single, but I will throw in. Go ahead, cap your ticket for us there. Okay, so first race I'm going to go – I'm going to go Backstreet Gambler and uh, Stone Carver, so 5-6 with 5-7. Uh, I'm going to key the seven in the third race. And then fourth race, I'm going to go six. Uh, oh, sorry, three, six. And the fifth race, I'm going three, four, six, seven. So I All right. So that's
0: out. 32 for a buck. Yep. If you play for 20 cents, it's uh, $6.40. Mine's a little bit more expensive. I was two, five, seven in race one, three, four, five in race number two, four, six in race number three, the one, two, seven in race number four. And uh, finish up with the four in race number five. It's ten dollars eighty cents for twenty cents, fifty four for a dollar. And I feel like that this has a potential to pay. I mean, I don't think it's going to be one that pays four grand or anything for a dollar, but I, I feel like that it, it could pay seven or eight hundred for a dollar. And, and depending on how things go, especially that first race, if Backstreet Gambler goes down, this has, definitely has the potential to pay. Mm-hmm. So let's look uh, now in the feature race here. This is Saturday night at Mohawk Park, and it's. No preferred this week, but race number nine is numbers of twenty six thousand five hundred last five on the pace. They're going for twenty six thousand, and this is an interesting bunch. A lot of horses stepping into this race. Really, no horses dropping. Uh, John, what do you think of this race, race number nine? Yeah, it is a pretty. I mean, it's a pretty wide
1: open bunch. I mean, (laughs) Points North is going to get action just based off that mile last week. I mean, that was a pretty fast mile. That American. That American history cut, and uh, Scott Young was there to just uh, pick up the pieces. But Points North has been racing so, so well. Obviously, Will get bad, and I, I understand that he could falter, but that, that was a really, really strong effort, and he's just been so consistent. I do think that he is the horse to be. Um I will give him the benefit of the doubt in here just because he's been facing. I mean, he's been facing the Salzburg victors and and the, the, the wheels on fires in here, so it's, he's probably the one that I'd have to give the edge to in here. He's uh
0: I thought he got a perfect drive last week right he needed to be in the mix and he was getting a different driver. Scott Young got him involved and then American history didn't he tried to do his usual thing but he couldn't quite do it and, and he sort of is hit and miss and he capitalized and, and he was almost he was 11 and a half to one in the race. I thought he got an exceptional drive so much so that they brought him back to drive this week. He's the kind of horse that he kind of needs things to go right for him. And and that concerns me in the sense that you're not going to get that 11 to 1 now. You're going to get probably sub 2 to 1 in a race that has a lot of speed. I mean, South Beach Hanover has big speed. Cadillac Bioma has some speed. What's Highland Beach Lover going to do? He likes to get things moving early, especially, and he's been racing very well, kind of climbing the ladder. He didn't race bad last week again from where he was Early, so he could be involved. And then you have a wild card. You have the nine, Ariel Hanover, who somehow landed in a condition race uh, and just absolutely crushed. I mean, he was never going to lose that race at 80 cents on a dollar. He should have been five cents on a dollar as the way he looked over that field. Uh, this is a big jump for him, but he's shown that he can win numbers of 14,000 at the Meadowlands. Plus, he had missed a, a couple weeks too. So he's a bit of a wild card. And James lands there. I feel like I've mentioned all the horses. I, I, I think a price worth, you know, it, that is intriguing to me as commanding officer because his last two have been his best race for in, in, in quite a while. I feel like he does very well in the winter here. He's not, you know, uh, immune to kind of stepping up and really racing well, and he's going to get a setup. His best races are from the back. There's going to be a ton of speed in front of him. He's going to launch again uh, the question is just going to be, is he fast enough? Is he back to himself? Because he is very capable at these top levels. You're going to get a price again. Do not leave this horse off your ticket.
1: No, and I think, I mean, obviously I do think points north is the worst, but I think the horse that is going to offer value that I think I might take a shot with is is one you mentioned, is Highland Beach Lover. I do think that he is racing well. I thought that was a solid effort last time out. I think second time being acclimated in this class, he might be able to put forth a, a good effort, and he might be the one who will be able to work out a trip. Um, this time out too, but I I feel like Scott is probably gonna be he might be the one on the engine tonight or or with a much more aggressive drive. I mean, this is a different a different field, and you don't have an American history in here who's gonna be going to the third quarter in like one twenty one like he did last time out. Um, so he might be able to kind of control it and or go to better trip. But the one I might play underneath or or even a, a bit on top as well as Highland Beach Lover as well the other Osceolo Trainee.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great betting race. Uh, points north too w- with him. He, he he doesn't mind being out in the front, right? I feel like he does kind of swell up at, at those times, and I'd be very curious to see what what, what sort of drive that he gets uh, in this race. So, okay, so that's Saturday night. Uh, go to Woodbine Mohawk. Go to Woodbine.com backslash Mohawk for free programs. Uh, go to NahuPicks.com for my analysis. And we got John taking a week off from Meadowlands this week, but he's provided some exceptional analysis uh, for our Meadowlands races here these past several weeks, and he'll be back next week. John, do you have anything to plug, anything with the magazine? What do you got coming up?
1: Uh, nothing much, just uh, doing my work for Trot Magazine. It's been a lot of fun uh, sharing stories and uh, you know talking to a bunch of um, horse people. There's just a lot, a, a lot that they have to share that really isn't isn't out there a lot outside of the, from the racing side. So it's pretty, it's a pretty neat gig. And obviously I love uh, coming on this podcast to chat racing because it's, it's a big passion of mine. So, I mean, it's pretty nice to be involved in racing for a living and I'm excited to see where I can, I can grow in the industry and whatnot, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I love doing what I do and I'm, I'm very lucky. And, and I appreciate guys like you giving me the opportunity to come and provide my analysis. Um, Obviously I wasn't as prepared for this uh, sequence as I would have liked to, but uh, just in general, I really love having the opportunity to chat horses all the time.
0: Well, you were at the Brown Awards this past weekend. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Tell us, tell us what you thought and and how much uh, you know you you enjoyed that experience, just being being around those people.
1: Yeah, it, it was fun. I mean, just witnessing everybody uh, you know be recognized for the season that they had. I mean, even I mean even the finalists, I, even the ones who didn't win. I mean, a lot of people had exceptional seasons, and I think that it's pretty just being a finalist is a pretty it's a pretty big deal i mean but Moreau winning 10 straight training of the years i mean that's just unprecedented i mean like 10 in a row is is, is pretty remarkable uh, i mean probably i mean many people didn't probably thought that he should have lost out to uh, to nicolucci last year i mean that was some i mean that was a pretty uh, big talking point i guess but uh, i mean just winning 10 in a row is just again it's just unprecedented he had a great year he's obviously the top trainer at, at uh at Mohawk, but it was a it was a fun night actually. I mean, Kenny and uh, Randy Waples did an accept- they did an exceptional job hosting uh, or emceeing the event. It was a, they did a great job there, and it was just it was fun just chatting with everybody, uh, and yeah, it was it was a pretty fun night. I, I have to say, it was my first time, but it was a lot of fun.
0: I feel like those nights are important because it it allows everybody to kind of reflect on the year that was. And, and the the best performances and, and sometimes, you know, things like that get lost as the year goes on and you get towards the end of the year. And, and just, you know, those, those people that are involved in the horses and things like that, they all need recognized for, for the, the accomplishments and, and stuff like that is, you know, it's very important as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. And you know what, it was nice. And the thing I would say is it would probably be better off if they weren't racing that night or if they did on a night with no races. Uh, I mean, just so everybody can kind of be a part of it. Like I, like I figured maybe you see Bob McClure, for example, he missed. I mean, I thought Bob McClure had a great year, to be honest with you, last year, given the circumstance. I mean, he missed a he missed a few months due to injury as well. And he drove, what, like five O'Brien finalists. I think Randy Wapos touched on it briefly too, but it's pretty, pretty fascinating to really, if you dig dissect the year he had, he had a great year. And just him not being able to be there, having so many finalists, it, I mean, maybe he could have been, but again, you're they're racing too, so it's kind of just it's tough, right? If he was nominated for a driver of the year category, I'm sure that he would have he would have been there. But uh, it would have been nice for him to to see the recognition that the horses he drove um, received last night. Like obviously, Sylvia Hanover had a phenomenal year, and she was recognized, and she was an an easy choice for two year old Philly pacer. But again, he couldn't be there to to celebrate those uh, those accomplishments. I mean, he was obviously driving at Woodbine um, Mohawk Park, and again, just nice if they maybe did it on a night, and they, maybe if everyone could work together and do it on a night that didn't involve racing or if they could race earlier. They used to. They used to race during the day uh, on that night. So just to have everybody there would, would be even better, right? Um, even Louis Waugh. Louis Waugh was driving, and again, Gaines Hanover was recognized for for his great season, and Louis Waugh was the guy uh, behind that quote, right? Uh, so, again, it'd be, that's the only thing I'd say. It'd be nice to have everybody. Involved uh, on that evening, but otherwise, it was pretty, it was a pretty fun night. I'm uh, hoping I get a chance to go next year, and uh, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, and congrats to the winners. And then, like you said, sometimes the circumstances, uh, no matter when you do it, there's always going to be circumstances and things like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think it's great to recognize Bulldog had his, his big night also. And, and, uh, you know, he's going to have obviously another one for the, for his U.S. accomplishments, but, um, you know, this year's already started and you know, we're gonna we're gonna have another set a uh, bunch of horses this next year and and the the machine keeps going on. Okay. So I do want to mention a couple things here just before we quit. And um PTF did a couple podcasts recently, but one that really stuck out to me that that I highly, highly, highly recommend. And he had Mike Maloney on, who is a professional gambler, professional horse player, and has been for many, many years. And yeah, the, the title of the, uh, the podcast is, you know, the, the they're talking about downturns and things and, and when things go bad as, you know, as a horse player and, and when you have, you know, times where you're not quite doing as well. But th- this this podcast is one of the best podcasts that I've ever heard about the, you know, a guy that, that plays the horses full-time and, and different feels for different circuits, different psychologies, depending on how he was doing at the time. And this is a guy that's bet almost 20 million, but yet a lot of these ideas and a lot of these, these things that he's discussing are, are very relevant for somebody that bets $50 a, a, a maybe a, a week or something to, to bet horses. It is I cannot recommend it enough. I feel like go to intomoneypodcast.com, Take some time to listen to that podcast. And uh, I've already listened to it twice. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is absolutely worth your time. So go to InMoneyPodcast.com, Check out all the pods from, from JK, from uh, the Redboard Rewinds, the all of PTFs things, the, the owner's box. There's plenty of content there to consume. Always check out NahuPicks.com for your picks. We appreciate John coming on. We'll see you guys next week. First over without Edison Hatter.